Praise the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. In April, we celebrated Easter and what a powerful movie we witnessed his reason. On June the 9th, we celebrated Pentecost. After Easter, I've been talking about the power of the resurrected life. And after Pentecost, I've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. If we get these two areas right, our lives will never be the same. We will not just live a routine Christian life, but it will be a powerful witness unto the Lord. Yesterday, I met two members, a couple in, the, in, uh, in a coffee shop as I was having lunch. They joined me. And the wife said, hey, pastor, you are preaching in a Saturday service today. I said, yeah. I thought that she attends the Saturday service. And then she said, oh, and you are preaching tomorrow as well. You are preaching in all three services. I said, yeah. You know, and I was kind of puzzled how she knew whether I was preaching or not. And then she says, and you are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Wow, I thought here we have a prophetess. And I say, and she even said, and you are going to talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? I say, wow, how do you know all of this? She chuckled and said, I was on Facebook. <laughs> Nowadays, with technology, you know what we are going to do even before we do it. And she says, oh, wow, yeah, you know, that's a good write-up on this and all that. And that's what I like to talk about whether you're on Facebook or not and have advanced notice, but today, let's open our heart to what the Holy Spirit has for each one of us. As I say, if we get this area right, friends, the devil cannot defeat us and we will live a power-filled life in the power of the Holy Spirit as God has intended for each and every one of us. And so this morning, I'd like to share on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, God says, For I will pour, up, pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Twice in one, in one verse, God says, I will pour. Everybody say pour. I will pour out water and I will pour out my spirit. And Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when they have experienced the baptism, the feeling of the Holy Spirit, he stood up to explain the phenomena. It is something that has never happened before in the entire history of mankind. And people were puzzled as to what was happening on that day of Pentecost. And Peter stood up and he quoted from Joel. And he says here, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will 
pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. Joel prophesied. Around the year 500 BC. And Peter, when he stood up, he quoted a prophecy 500 years old. And it was happening there and then in that upper room in Jerusalem. It must have been a powerful thing to see that a 500-year-old prophecy is now connected and brought to reality. That's why Peter was able to say, this is that. This, what you are witnessing, is that. Which prophets like Joel and also Isaiah have prophesied and thought so much about. And the word that's been used when God wants to give the Holy Spirit is the word pour out. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is interesting to know that when God wants to talk about the Holy Spirit, a symbol that's most commonly used is that of water. Why water? Now, of course, there is fire, there is oil, all right, and uh, there are other symbols of the Holy Spirit. But the most common symbol of the Holy Spirit is that of water. Now, we know that every one of us need water to survive. We need plenty of water to survive and to be healthy. Even nature needs a lot of water. The plants, animals, without water, they, we cannot, they cannot survive at all. And under our hot sun and, and, and the climate now, you find that in the afternoon, it's so hot. Your lawn is drying up. Your plants are dying. It affects the animals. It affects us as well. Water. Water. Water is what we need. And that's why God uses the symbol of water to represent the Holy Spirit. Because water refreshes us. Water renews us. Water gives life. Water produces life. And that's why the symbol of the Holy Spirit is that of water. And when you talk about pouring, what is pouring? When you pour, that means you empty the contents of something into something. That's what it means to pour. And when God wants to talk about the giving of the Holy Spirit, He commonly uses the word pour out. In the Old Testament, the, use, the, the word pour is used 110 times. Now, that, it's not just about the Holy Spirit. It talks about the pouring of water in the temple, the pouring of the blood, you know, the pouring of oil and other things. But the word pour is used 110 times in the Old Testament and as well as in the New Testament, it is commonly used. Pouring out. And so it is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. God says, I will pour out. 
my spirit. There is an outpouring from heaven. He will pour out. Have you ever phrased the phrase? Uh, have you ever heard the phrase that sometimes they say, "It never rains in Southern California." Do you all know that song? It never rains in Taipei. It pours. That means in some places, when the rain comes, it is not just a drizzle. It is really pouring. And when we say it's pouring outside, that means it's very heavy rain. And when God wants to talk about the giving of the Holy Spirit, He is pouring out. Friends, abundantly, generously, extravagantly, he doesn't just give us a little drop here and a little drop there. And that's a problem with us. We want just, and, and we are satisfied with just a drop of the Holy Spirit. Lord, all I need is just one drop, one tiny drop. That's enough. We are satisfied already. One experience, one small experience with the Holy Spirit. And hallelujah, we tend to live on that already. But no, God wants to what? Paul, he has so much inexhaustible. The supply of God is inexhaustible. He will give all that he has to us. There was a farmer who bought a cow to get the milk, basically. And so after about one month, he got a problem. The cow is not producing milk as the seller you know, have a promise. Oh, this cow is a good cow. We'll give you lots of milk. And so he went back to the seller and said, hey, you promised me that this cow will produce a lot of milk, but it's not producing. What happened? And the seller asked the farmer and, uh, or, or this guy, you know, first time rare, uh, taking care of cow. He says, have you been uh, milking the cow? He says, Yes. Have you been milking the cow every day? He says, yes. And how much did you milk the cow? Oh, I, I milked the cow for whatever amount that I needed. If I, for that day, I just want a small cup, I just take the cup and just milk and, and, and get a cup of milk, fresh milk from the cow, that's all. And the seller says, it doesn't work that way. Every day, you have to get the maximum from the cow. You don't just milk a little cow from the cow because the cow can produce a lot of milk. And if every day you just take a little, very soon the cow will dry up. The more that you take from the cow, the more that the cow can produce. And you must take to the maximum. Then you will get the richest yield from the cow. Friends, we must get the maximum from the Lord. Amen. The maximum, don't be satisfied with just a little because very soon you will dry up. Very soon the supply will dry up because that's not the way that God works. When He pours, when He gives the Holy Spirit, it is in abundant amount, fully get all that God has for each and every one of us. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is not a ritual. It is real. It is a coming of a person. That Jesus Christ has talked about, the paracletos, the comforter, the advocate, 
whatever name you call him. The coming of a helper, a real person. Brothers and sisters, it's not about man's program. It is about the promises of God. It is not about the abilities of man. It is about the possibilities in God. It is the reviving, renewing presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what we are talking about, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Let's look back into the text in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 2 to verse 3. Fear not. In verse 2, it says, Fear not, O sons of Jacob. Fear not, Jeshurun. Fear not. God gives the assurance and says, For I will pour out. I will pour water. I will pour my spirit. It seems that Israel was living in fear at that time. There were enemies surrounding them. The future looks very bleak and uncertain. And in that kind of condition, God says, fear not. So many times the word fear not is used in the Bible. And God's answer is not just avoiding the issue, but rather, he says, his answer to fear is, I will pour my spirit. So the outpouring, out and in, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit brings us out of our fear and into God's promises. So many times we are so fearful over so many things in life. We are fearful when we are young. We are fearful when we are old. We are fearful when we don't have money. We are fearful when we have too much money. We are fearful when you are, we are at home. We are fearful when we are on vacation. Out of the country, in the country. So many issues in life cause us to be so fearful. And when it comes to our job, when it comes to ministry, we are also caught in the trap of fear, we dare not venture forth. We dare not do anything much. So life passes us by just like that. In Vietnam, one of their, one of their culture, one of their tradition, if I may say, is they like to sit by the, by the roadside. On the small bench, you know, and a low uh, 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 chair. And what are they doing? Sipping coffee or tea. All right, and coffee, uh, they have all kinds of coffee. And, uh, and what do they do? They just watch people go by. Very relaxing, very nice, you know. I've been there and sometimes I just join there just to, just to be among the crowd and just watching the world pass me by. And perhaps because of fear, we dare not do anything and we just let the world pass us by. But God says, no more of that fear because when my spirit comes, what will he do? He will remove that fear in your life. Whatever fear is gripping your heart, the solution of God is the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at the disciples. Before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were hiding behind closed doors. 
But after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they were standing out among the crowd and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Fear was removed. They were transformed from fear-filled believers into spirit-empowered witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. What brought about the transformation? The Holy Spirit. Friends, the Holy Spirit is poured out into our lives when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that we don't have natural fears anymore, but you are transformed into a different person. You are no longer controlled by the circumstances. You know, our human body is an amazing masterpiece, masterwork of God. Our human body, wherever you are, it maintains a constant temperature of 98.7 degrees Fahrenheit. True or not? Our body maintains a constant temperature of 37 degrees centigrade. So when you have fever, the first thing that the doctor does is what? Take the temperature, put a thermometer into the, under your tongue and say, oh, 38 degrees, that's bad, that's bad, it's fever. Quickly give you the treatment. Uh, look, oh, 37 degrees, no fever. Wherever you go, whether you are in the Sahara Desert, 37 degrees centigrade. Or whether you go to the North Pole or the South Pole or up on the highest point in the Himalaya mountain, 37 degrees centigrade. Isn't it amazing? A constant temperature. And when the Holy Spirit comes and fills us, He is that leveler. He maintains that constant temperature in us. In other words, it does not matter whether the world is shaken up. The peace of God will be in your heart. You maintain that peace in God, that assurance in the promises of God. Nothing can shake you up because the presence of the Holy Spirit maintains that constant composure, assurance, confidence, faith, grace, mercies of God constantly poured out into our life. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, oh, we are so easily shaken up, we, are so, we, we fall so easily. That's why we need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And God has given us so many promises, 5,000 promises in the Bible. But let me give you the greatest promise of all. Oh, we want all the promises on health and wealth and all those kind of things and blessings is good. But many times we miss out the greatest promise that God has ever given us and it's constantly repeated in the Bible. But we coconut head of ours, you know, we miss it. We miss the greatest promise of God and look for other things instead to satisfy and it does not. And the greatest promise of God is written all over the scriptures. There are many, but I've just selected a few. The greatest promise is the Holy Spirit. God has promised us the Holy Spirit right from the very beginning. And quoting again from Joel, he says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. God is already looking forward to that time. Afterward. When is that afterward that Joel was talking about? It is the last days. In the last days. Then when is the last days? 
Peter, when he stood up and quoted from Joel, says, this is dead. In other words, it's happening right now. On the day of Pentecost, it ushers in the last days. And God is looking forward to that outpouring. In John chapter 7, verse 39, the scripture explains on that day of booth or on, on, on the celebration. In John chapter 7, it says the Holy Ghost was not yet. The Holy Ghost was not yet given. But he would, God is looking forward to give the Holy Spirit already, but it's not the time yet. But there was indication, hey, it's coming already. The promise, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Friends, it is not just a promise, but Jesus says, the promise. Friends, this is the greatest promise. It's not just another or one of those 5,000 uh, 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 promises of God, but it is the promise. The most important, the greatest if you want one promise of God, brothers and sisters, get the promise of God. And Jesus already indicated that. And then Jesus announced it. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. I'm going to send it. And Jesus spoke those words just on the eve of his crucifixion, just before he was crucified. He was saying, I'm going away. And the disciples were grieved. They, and then Jesus talked about the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom he was sent. But the disciples were so grieved, they would prefer to have Jesus stay with them, then go away, and then another person come. But Jesus says, if I do not go away, he will not come. Friends, something will not happen until the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Something will never happen in our life, in our church, until the Holy Spirit comes. And Jesus says, He will come. He's coming. And you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The disciples still couldn't get it. But he's already saying it. He's preparing them already for the promise. And finally, on the day of Pentecost, when the day had fully come, and God timed the coming of the Holy Spirit just as he timed the coming of the Messiah when Jesus was born of a virgin. Perfectly timed on the day of Pentecost in the Jewish calendars. When nations of the world came to Jerusalem to celebrate that important feast, they were gathered there. God chose that date. It was perfectly time when He came. Oh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. There were tongues of fire, the miracle of sight. There were rush, sound of the rushing mighty wind, the miracle of uh, uh, a sound and they begin to speak in other tongues. The miracle of speech. Friends, it happened on the day 
of Pentecost. Oh, what, what a great day it was. You see, Jesus had already prepared them and talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit, but he never told them when the Holy Spirit will come. He never told them how he will come. He, they did not know what to expect even, but they were expecting. They were waiting for 10 days. And when the Holy Spirit come, came, I tell you, it totally took everybody by surprise. It has never happened in the history of mankind. But the Holy Spirit just took over. And after that, you find that there were many, many outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 16, there were revival outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, in Samaria, in Cornelius' household, and in Ephesians, in Antioch, in Antiochia, in Thessalonica, in Galatia. Oh, the book of Acts is actually the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It was being poured out, poured out, poured out. And in Acts chapter 29, the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Shall we turn to Acts chapter 29? Did you find it? <laughs> I caught you. Acts <laughs> chapter 29 is now. All right, we are writing that chapter now. Acts <laughs> has only 28 chapters. But the book of Acts does not end on the 28th chapter. It continues on up to today. Amen. It continues up to now. It's Pentecost now. Hallelujah. Friends, we can talk about the many outpourings of the Holy Spirit in history. But I tell you, the Holy Spirit has been poured out even today. The promise of the Father has been given even right up till today, and we want to experience it. We want to experience it, not for the sake of experiencing it, just to have charismatic goosebumps. No, we want to experience it because this is what the Father has promised His children. And if, if it is the promise of the Father, it must be very important for us. More important than any other thing we need in life, the Holy Spirit. But some people are fearful about the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will take away that fear. Jesus even had to tell the disciples and give a human analogy. How many of you fathers, when the son asks you for bread, will you give him a snake? In Luke chapter 11. Of course not. And then Jesus says, how much more the Heavenly Father He will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Don't be afraid. When you come before God and ask Him for the Holy Spirit, He will give you the Holy Spirit. Outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
is coming out of man's abilities into God's possibilities. He says, I will pour my spirit. What will God pour out? My spirit. God will give us His spirit into our lives. So many times we depend upon our own abilities to get things done, upon our own strength to do it. But God says, no, things are different now. You don't have to struggle on your own. But the Holy Spirit will be with you, will be in you. And when you are clothed with power from on high, clothed with power, when Jesus talked about the giving of the Holy Spirit in Luke, He says you shall be clothed with power of all the characteristics of the feeling, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He says clothed with power. God wants us to be Spirit-directed, Spirit-empowered in everything that you do. Whether in raising up a family to that of business and ministry, whatever it is. No more man's abilities, but God's possibilities. A child was trying to lift up a heavy object. He couldn't do it. The father was standing by watching. He tried and tried and couldn't do it. And in exasperation, he just sat down and gave up with almost tears in his eyes. The father says, have you tried your best or not in lifting the, the thing? He says, yes, dad, I've tried my best and I don't have the strength. I cannot do it. I couldn't leave it. The dad says, no, you have not tried your best. Because if you have tried your best, you would have asked me and I will help you to lift it up. So many times we try to do it and we thought that that's the best. No. You have not had the best yet until you ask the Holy Spirit to empower you. You shall be clothed with power from on high. That's how the Christian life is supposed to be lived and ministry as well. There was a man by the name of Apollos in Acts chapter 18. A good man. A man of integrity. A man who had experienced, I believe, the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. A man oh, who was fervent in the spirit, the Bible says. And he went about proclaiming what he knew. But the problem is he knew only until the baptism of John. Perhaps he, he would have known about the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and, and, and all that Jesus has been uh, talking about. But the Bible says he knew only up to the baptism of John. And what he knew, he preached. And that's very commendable about him. So, and the Bible says what he preached was accurate according to what he knew. There was no false heresy there. Well, it was accurate, but according to that knowledge and experience that he had. And it was an incomplete, not inaccurate, but incomplete experience incomplete knowledge and understanding of the gospel. So Priscilla and Aquila, when, he, when they heard him preach, they say, wow, this guy is powerful, but something is missing. 
Something is missing in his preaching, in his life, in his presentation. So they took him apart. They brought him home, have tea with him, have makan with him. And after that, the Bible says, and explain to him the way of God more accurately. And after that, Apollos was totally transformed. Now, the Bible never says about he being filled with the Holy Spirit and all that, you know, but when he was preaching before that, the Bible says he was preaching with fervency, all right? That means, no, no, his spirit was burning. His spirit was burning, alive, powerful, passionate, but it was human spirit. It was his spirit, not the Holy Spirit. But when he has known about the Holy Spirit, about that missing element in his life. Man, I tell you, the Bible says he went to Ephesus, he traveled to Corinth and all that, and he preached and many, there was revival everywhere in, he went. So much so that when Paul was writing the letter to the Corinthians, he talked about Apollos. He talked about those who were followers of Apollos, followers of Paul and all that, you know, in trying to bring about unity. But he mentioned Apollos, who had a powerful impact. Friends, perhaps we have been trying in our own spirit, in a, by our own abilities, by our own understanding to do the work of God. It does not work that way. There is that missing element. He was mighty in scriptures, the Bible says. Here is a man who was mighty in scriptures. He knew the scriptures, he knew the Savior but he did not have the spirit. Scripture, Savior, Spirit. All this must go together. Nothing must be missing to have the complete gospel. Scripture, Savior, Spirit. What must you have? Ah, there's more to come. Don't be satisfied with just knowing the scripture. Don't be satisfied with just knowing the Savior. But you must press in to know and experience the Holy Spirit as well. Likewise in Ephesians, Paul, when he stepped into the city, he met 12 believers or disciples. And the first question, the most important question to ask of somebody who has just known the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps, the most important question as far as Paul is concerned is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Friends, to Paul, that's the most important thing. The most important thing in our life, in our Christian walk is, are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, after knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, do not stop there because there is something more for each and every one of us. Don't be satisfied with just coming to church without that experience of the Holy Spirit, without that encounter with the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Now, I, don't, I will not go into all the theological discussion about this, this verse in Acts chapter 19, verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believe? But for us, we Pentecostals, we believe in the subsequent experience, the second blessing, we call it. Or that after knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, there is something more for each and every one of us. 
the Holy Spirit. Of course, when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, it is by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there, yes. So when we talk about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, baptizo, immersion, again into water. That means we are totally controlled by the elements. The Holy Spirit take over our life. That's what baptism in the Holy Spirit, filling of the Holy Spirit means. When we fully surrender to the Holy Spirit. Zechariah chapter 4 verses. How many classical Pentecostals and all assemblies of God people here? All means not all, all chronological age, but you were brought up in the early days. Zechariah 4 says, what does he say? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. My spirit. I will pour my spirit, not your own abilities anymore, by the spirit of the Lord. Friends, I would encourage us. It's not about programs in the church. We have tried so many programs. Some work, some does not work. Some we started with a bang. After that, tapers off and don't know what happened. All right, it's not about programs. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It's not about your age. It's not about your abilities. It's not about your color. It's not about whether we have money or no money. It's not about whether we have a great building or don't have a great building. Finally, it's about the Holy Spirit. By my spirit. If every leader, every pastor, including myself, we, if we can remember that and just come back to basic. Have you received the Holy Spirit? If you have not received the Holy Spirit, I will urge you, seek for it, press in, get into it because it is a Father's delight to give to you and we need the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we'll be like Apollos and the efficient believers. Yeah, we are still believers, yes. But we don't have that kind of tremendous results. You know, KLIA too, many of people complain. You know, wow, you got a long distance to walk many times to your terminal. So one day I was rushing, 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 right? And I... That's, that's, that's my problem. I always go last minute one, you know. You know so I was rushing, rushing, and, and uh, in my rush, you know, to, to, to the terminal, I noticed that although I was walking quite fast, somebody was walking at a slower pace, but was walking faster than me. I said, how can that be? I look, oh, that's what they call the travelator. You know the travelator? All right, the thing that goes, you know, and you just walk like that only, you know. And after that, you are faster than the guy running beside you, you know, and all that, you know, the travelator. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us also. He's our heavenly travelator. Man, you can walk just like that, don't you? And you can accomplish greater things in the power of the Holy Spirit than you can do it on your own strength. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, God's possibilities. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit as a spirit-filled businessman, as a spirit-filled evangelist, pastor, cell leader, zone leader, every one of us, come back to the Holy Spirit. Seek for 
the Holy Spirit. Lastly, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is out of dryness into God's presence. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I want us to spend time in, in the presence of God afterwards, so I will just have to rush through right now. But it is about water on dry ground. Friends, there are times when we feel so dry. That's when the Holy Spirit comes like water. Like water. When, 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 when the ground is so dry and everything is dead, that's when the Holy Spirit comes and makes the difference with His presence. And when the presence of God comes, it is like, oh, you see, it's in the desert. Oh, refreshing, reviving. In Acts chapter 3, verse 20, talks about the times of refreshing. When we repent, when we come back to God, then God will send His Holy Spirit. And the time of that receiving and living in the power of the Holy Spirit is likened to that or something that's refreshing. It's like when you have just worked outside, sweating, smelling, and under the hot sun, what do you want to do? You get inside the house, you take a cold drink perhaps, and after that, it's not enough. You get under the shower, and under the cold shower, oh! is exhilarating when the shower just hits your head and the water drips down your body it is so refreshing and the hot weather now some of you have to go to bay to the bathroom or to the shower three times and each time you come out from the shower wow it's refreshing Friends, we need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit constantly. This is what some of us need. You feel that those Christian life is drying up. There's no power. There's no excitement anymore. It's not more programs that we need, but the Holy Spirit to come and refresh us in His presence like water on dry ground, on dry ground. And it's reviving. Isaiah 57, verse 15, God says, To those who are of a contrite spirit and to those who are humble, I will revive. I will revive the contrite spirit. I will revive those who are of a humble heart. Friends, we want revival. I urge you every day, pray for revival to happen. And after that, believe God for revival. What is revival? Revive. Re means again. Vive, coming alive again. Too many Christians are dead. They don't have the life of the Spirit anymore. We need revival. Pray for revival. Personal revival. Church revival. National revival. When the Spirit of God will just take over and do what He wants to do in our midst. Cell leaders, we have to pray for revival in the cell. Some of you say, nothing's happening in the cell anymore. Do you pray for revival? Do you pray for yourself? All of us, we want revival in our church. Can I hear an amen? amen? I need revival. I need a personal revival. And constantly I pray for God's revival, reviving spirit to sweep through our church. And when revival comes, I tell you, we cannot have church as normal anymore. God will just take over and He's still doing it all over the world. Nowadays with the internet, nowadays with high, uh, high technology, you can just find instantly where revival is happening. Problem is when we begin to discover where revival is happening, we begin to run to that place. 
search for revival everywhere. I tell you, you can know about it, but then after that, let it encourage you. But after that, revival can happen right here. Hallelujah. Right here it can happen. And I believe God with all my heart. It's coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. God says, I'll take away the dryness. I'll give you water. Lord, rain. Pour out your spirit upon your church. Brothers and sisters, we can live. We must live in the fresh outpouring. It is a fresh outpouring. Each time that God pours out His spirit, it is a fresh outpouring. Question many of us may have is, but Pastor, how do I live in that fresh outpouring? My answer is, it's not the how-to anymore. Many times we attend seminars and conferences. At the end of it, we expect the speaker to give us the how-to. If you attend a wealth seminar, how to get rich, now at the end of it, you expect the speaker to give you five steps to get rich. When they attend the Holy Spirit seminar, we expect the speaker to just five steps to the spirit-filled, spirit-empowered life. But let me tell you, we may know all the how-to in life. How to, give, how to be a good father, how to be a good wife, how to be this and that. We have all the knowledge. If you do not have it, you can just Google it. That's the problem. You have, you have it all. But man, it's not the knowledge. It's not the facts. It's not the steps that matter. We may have all of these. The greatest problem that we have in life is what we call unapplied truth. Unapplied truth. We may know all the how-tos to everything from baking to, 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 to driving to wealth management and all those things. But if you don't apply it, it doesn't help at all. So it's not the how-to, but it's the want-to. Do you want to do it? You may know all the how-to. But do you want to do it? If you don't want to do it, all the how-tos will not help at all. So today, brothers and sisters, there's only one requirement. I like to focus on. It is thirst. Thirst. Isaiah 44 verse 3. I will pour water on the thirsty. Thirsty. If you are thirsty... You may not know all the how-tos. You may not know even the difference between Genesis and Revelation. You may not know why there are four Gospels. How many books are there? You may not know all the things, but if you there is the thirst in your heart, you may not fully understand who the Holy Spirit is, how He works and all that. But if you are thirsty and just say, Lord, I've heard so much about the Holy Spirit. I want to. I want to, Lord. I want to be filled. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you really want to, friends, He will fill you. He will fill you. It can happen right here. It can happen in your room. It can happen on the streets, anywhere. If anyone thirsts, Jesus says in John chapter 7 and verse 37, thirst, let us thirst. Oh God, I thirst for you. I hunger for you. That's the requirement that is put in the scriptures. If you really thirst for God, He will fill you. So today, the question is, are you thirsty for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life? In your family, God says, I will pour my spirit 
on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Joel talks about it. On your sons, on your daughters, not just on you, but on your entire family. Spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, experiencing the outpouring, the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is a fresh outpouring that God gives to us like rain upon a parched and dry ground. Friends, the Bible here tells us also in Isaiah 44, uh, verse uh, 3, but in verse 4, he says, and you will spring up, you will spring up among the grass like willows along the water streams. That means willows along the streams. That means you have to constantly take water from the stream. Willows along the streams and God's Holy Spirit has been poured out like streams, like rivers of living water. Will you bathe in it? God doesn't want us to get a drop of it and then wipe ourselves and think we are filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be totally drenched in that outpouring. Drenched in that outpouring. And He just asks us, do you hunger and thirst for it? Friends, if every one of us can do it, you'll be amazed what God can do in our church and in our lives. Souls will be getting saved. People will be healed. Miracles will happen in a way that we have never seen before. And it can happen right now. Pentecost now. Holy Spirit right now. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we are on the verge of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What happened on the day of Pentecost was great. 3,000 souls get saved. That's great. But friends, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, not only will there be 3,000, there will be 30,000, there will be 3 million, and much, much more. Over in India, over in Sri Lanka, over in Nigeria, everywhere in the world. Brothers and sisters, we are on the verge of the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are living in exciting days. So don't lose out on this, but just say, Lord, I'm thirsty for more of you and for the Holy Spirit to take over. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the coming of the person of the Holy Spirit into our lives, reviving, renewing us in His presence. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Let's pray.